Um, right, let, let's talk about the accident because um, we are... It's not even a year yet, is it? No, not a year, mate. I think it's two more weeks into a year. It's gone uh, so quick. Yeah, it really has. I mean, I remember meeting you at uh, Mike Tyndall's golf day and you just had the accident and your spirits were remarkable. But how were you feeling inside? I mean, d- just um, just cast your mind back before the accident and then enduring and just describe it to us. Just tell us and anyone who out there who doesn't know what actually happened. Uh, yeah, so obviously it was, yeah, like you say, nearly a year ago now and... Um, it was just a, it was the second round of the the F4 British Championship, which we we were doing quite well in at the at the time. It was sort of I think we had two or three podiums in the first four or five races, so it was kind of we were right up the sharp end. Um, and the aim was always to fight for the title. Um, and then obviously had um had the accident um in in that uh, sixth race of the year I think it was at Donington. Um, just a stationary car just spun off, and my view was kind of blocked by by two other cars that I was racing with. And as they pulled out the way last minute, it was kind of, this car was just suddenly all I could see. So it was just, it was one of those sort of accidents where it's no one's fault, but it's just one of those things that can happen sometimes. Mm. But it was, yeah, obviously it was a tough time at at that point for everyone involved, like my family and friends and stuff. Yeah. So what do you actually remember of it? Or have you been able to sort of block a lot of the pain out? Um, I was I wasn't even in pain at the time. I was I think I was awake for the first forty minutes after my accident, and then they put me into an induced coma. But in terms of being in pain, obviously the medics medics were were really good at getting to me quite quick. Um, and at the time, like I said, I didn't I felt fine. Um, so I told them to to go look at the other driver because because I did, I felt fine. But I could hear him in in pain, so I thought. Uh, yeah, I'd send them over there, and it wasn't until sort of five minutes afterwards where sort of the adrenaline kind of goes away, and you kind of just sat there, and um, then they started to like to to feel a little bit more, um, yeah, a bit more in pain from the accident, and I realised that my injuries were were worse than what I thought when I was just mm-hmm. sat in the car waiting for the medics to kind of finish dealing with the other driver. So, what did you think at the time on the scene? How bad did you think it was? I know it was quite bad because just purely off people's faces. I mean, it's it was a weird feeling being sat in the car, not being able to to get out because of of how bad the crash was. But but just looking around at sort of the doctors' faces and everything, um, you could see not panic spreading them, but they they knew how serious it was at quite early on. Mm. Um, so I guess that is it was a bit of a it was kind of a helpless feeling at, at that point because you you can't you can't do anything. You've just got to rely on what everyone else. It's gonna do for you, um, but yeah, luckily they do. They do a good job, and I'm still here. Absolutely. Now, in that 40 minutes that you just talked of, your sister was with you, wasn't she? Um, tell us what you remember of the conversation that you had. With yeah, so, yeah, she was still um, still with me by the side of the car. Obviously, they um, when the doctors went out on track, they asked if any of the family wanted to come out. And at that point, my mum was sort of she was a bit fragile, so Dad was looking after her, and um, Bonnie said that she'd go. Um, yeah, and then she was kind of yeah um, perched by the my side by the side of my car for, like you say, the first forty minutes that that I could remember, um, before they they put me to sleep. So they yeah, she was kind of there the whole time. Um, I can't really remember what she was saying to me. I think she was just more been been there for support, kind of. Um, but yeah, no, it was good to have someone a familiar face by your side when something like that's happening. 
Because you're close in age, aren't you? What, like 14, 15 months apart? Yeah. She's younger. Yeah, 14 months she's younger than me. So, you know, you're you're almost twins in a way. Um, my kids are actually the same age gap. And already they kind of squabble and love each other to a ridiculous extent. It's, it's either one or the other. Is it the same with Bonnie? Yeah, it's exactly the same. I mean, yeah, when we were younger, we always used to argue with each other. But now we've got a bit older and stuff, it's... Um, it's, yeah, a bit of both, really. We're either arguing with each other or, yeah, we're really close. So, in a way, I bet that, that must have helped a massive amount, having her there when you needed her most. I mean, it must have been tough for her. Have you talked about it afterwards? Uh, no, it's not something that we've really talked about. Um, yeah, she Bonnie's got, you know, she's a fiery redhead, my, my little sister, so she can look after herself. <laughs> she's normally one look, trying to look after me. So, um, yeah, it's not really been something that, um, I guess, that we've had to talk about Um but yeah, and that was just it was good in that moment to kind of to have her by my side, even though yeah, we weren't arguing at the time, luckily enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then then they put you into this induced coma that then lasted for three days. Um what do you remember of waking up and, and the realisation that actually you had lost both legs? Um, yeah, it was obviously a, a bit of a surreal moment. Like I said, I, the only thing that helped me, I think, in that situation was the fact that I knew it was going to be fairly serious beforehand, before they put me to sleep. I think it would have been tougher for me to, to think everything was going to be OK and then wake up and then them tell me such devastating news. But um, you know, it definitely helped to, for them to kind of ease me into it, I guess you could say. Um, and then having family and friends around when I kind of realised the injuries, um, that was obviously helpful as well. So, no, it was kind of... Although it's such a shocking thing to find out, um, yeah, there was a few a few things that happened in the build-up to it that I think for me helped me to to move on with it a bit quicker. And how did you move on? Like, I mean, again, as I say, I, I saw you just weeks later, and I couldn't believe that you were up and about and in, in, interacting with people and and not feeling sorry for yourself in any way. But what was going on inside? Uh, it's, it's difficult to say, really. Obviously, I, I didn't really have a chance to. Um, to sit in hospital in the dark and kind of get myself down about it but just because I had so many bubbly kind of positive people around me like my family were there um, all my friends from school and from racing um, all the members of the team they were always coming to the hospital I don't think I had a day in hospital where I didn't have more people than I was meant to have <laughs> in the, in the in my room with me um, which was obviously really helpful because it, it just feels normal when you've got mm people around you that you 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 know if I was sat in hospital and I didn't have anyone around me that I really knew then it, it might I might have felt a bit different but no it definitely helps out a lot and the motorsport community really did rally didn't it I mean I remember this just outpouring of support for you firstly on social media and then in actual terms people fundraising the crowdfunding was just immense just tell us about that and and, the, and that kind of boost that it gave you yeah it was crazy I mean obviously when I had my accident they, like I said they put me in a induced coma and I can't remember anything from that Sunday evening when it happened to I think I woke up um, the middle of Wednesday so it was sort of three days after the, the accident that I was kind of although I'd been awake with all the drugs I was in that had in my system I wasn't really in the room at the time even though I was awake so um yeah, that was sort of the first sort of thing I could remember. And obviously at that point, um, the Just Forgiven page had already gone up and was live. So it was kind of, I woke up and pe they just people were showing me, look at all this support you're getting. And it was kind of, it was there from a, the, the earliest point I remember the support was there. So it was, um, 
yeah, a bit surreal, really. But um, yeah, like I say, I I didn't even know anything was <laughs> was going on. I was yeah, um, yeah, daydreaming, I guess you could say. And then yeah, I woke up and to all this this support, and it was a bit bit overwhelming. But it was yeah, a pretty cool feeling to have um, from from early days. Anyway, how do you think your, your mum and dad have coped? Um, I think at the time they they were putting on strong faces when I was in the hospital. Um, yeah, the doctors were were telling them behind closed doors. My mum was telling me that they said that you've got to be strong because obviously, however their attitude was towards it, rubs off on on how I'm going to feel about it. Um, so now they definitely they did an awesome job early on of being being strong and being able to cope with what had happened. But I think, um, yeah, it was obviously a tough time for them. They didn't. I think it's, it probably affected affected my dad early on more than it affected my mum just because he was the one who got me into racing. So I think at some stage he probably felt a bit guilty for, for what what had happened to me. Um, but no, he kind of... I I was quite quite early on, I quite, I just told him that it was something that... Or that he couldn't force me to do it. Although he wanted me to do it from a young age, it was something that I wanted to do myself. Otherwise I wouldn't have done it. So I think that kind of helped him get over things. And then obviously my mum, with everything going on... Um, trying to be the strong one and, and hold everyone together. Um, it was tough on her as well, and I think she's taken a bit longer to to get come to terms with it just because early on she, she probably blocked it out more than the rest of us did. Um, but no, I think we're getting there, and like I say, we're quite quite strong as a unit, um, so I think that's how everyone's helping each other out. And do you think it has brought you closer together? Yeah, I think so. Um yeah, no, I would. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, obviously, there's been times where you have it gets someone down, and it is an argument, and it's kind of it. It is quite a testing time for everyone, but I think in general we are closer together than we were before. So, do you talk about it a lot as a family? Um, not really. Not unless it's brought up. I mean, it's kind of some of us. I don't mind talking about it as much as my mum does, just because. People have asked me questions about it quite regularly since it's mm. happened, so it's kind of something that I've just been uh, um, made aware of and talked about a fair bit. Well, my mum kind of, like I say, blocks it out a bit more, so when it does come up, she probably is more affected by it than I am. Mm. That's really interesting because I, I, I read something about PTSD and that if you have a big trauma, that you just need to keep talking until it no longer feels scary to talk about. The more you bury it, then the minute something does come up, then it acts as a catalyst to like open the floodgates and you start crying and you get very emotional again. And so I guess maybe talking about it has been your therapy in some way. Yeah, I probably think so. I mean, like I was sort of, every, like I say, when every day I had people in the hospital and even if we weren't talking about that, we were talking about racing-related things. So it was kind of, I think the whole having people around me that were talking about things to do with racing and obviously what happened to me quite early on I think that really helped me to kind of just come to terms with it and like you say I wasn't I wasn't after a few days I wasn't really scared of what had happened anymore obviously it, it lasts longer than a few days it's not that simple but but the the majority of what had happened and the overwhelming feeling I had is kind of was kind of this is Acast Recommends Every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. This is Not a Drake Podcast is a new series from CBC Podcasts that uses seminal moments in Drake's career to explore the history and evolution of hip-hop, R&B, and black culture 
and unpacks how rap is evolving with shifts in gender dynamics. It's also about the rapper who's blurred genres and dominated the world stage and the larger hip-hop movement that made him. You can subscribe to This Is Not A Drake podcast on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. Gone quite soon.